Welcome to 27 Speaks, a weekly podcast with the staff of the Express News Group who share their insights into the latest stories making news on the East End of Long Island. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. And we are recording. And I'm outside. Woohoo. I think nice. two weeks ago we were talking and it was like snowing. Remember? Yeah. How quickly things turn. That could happen again any minute. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so it seems like things are kind of lightening up in a lot of ways, which is why this is probably a really good day to talk about the changing scene um, in music post COVID. So that's what we're going to launch into today. And um, before we do that, I'm going to introduce who's here. Um, we have Bill, Bill Sutton managing the recording button like he does every week. Hey, Bill. Hi, Annette. I'm Bill Sutton. I'm the managing editor of the Express News Group. Getting hey. ready to go on vacation next week. Thank you. Ooh. Is it a staycation? It is a staycation. I'm going to sleep. Cool. <laughs> For a week. Yeah. <laughs> You'll wake up and it'll be 2023. <laughs> and we have uh, Brendan J. O'Reilly here. Hey, Brendan, how are you doing today? Hey, Annette. I am Brendan. I'm the features editor. And my name is Annette Hinkle, and I'm the arts and living editor of the Express News Group. And also joining us today are a couple special guests, one of which is Ellen Diogardi. And do you say Diogardi or Diogardi? Because I know that Gavin pronounces it Diogardi, and I don't think that's right. Um, I, it's uh, Diogardi is actually correct. Yes. Is it? Unless you ask Nancy Atlas, and then it's Diogardio. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, it's Tio Guardi, and um, I am uh, officially the director of uh, events for the Express News Group. But for today's, today's purpose, I guess I'm what professional local music fan. Exactly, that's your job. Fan girl. <laughs> yeah, and we also have with us today the talented musician Inda Eaton, who lives in East Hampton. That's right, right? You live in East Hampton. I get. I do. I'm I'm in Springs. I'm into Eaton. I'm I'm a singer songwriter, and I guess I'm representing music today. That's <laughs> every unemployed musician in the East. Yes, I'll, that's I'll take it. That's what I'm representing today. You bet. And um, Nick Krause has joined us, and Nick is from the Stephen Talk House. Now, Nick, your official title at the Talk House is managing partner. Is that what you go by? Uh, I'm a manager who happens to be a small partner, <laughs> but we don't. We're not really into titles there, so it doesn't really yeah. matter. <laughs> How about just King, King of the Talk House? Sure. When the others aren't around, I do go around claiming to be that. I see you around. <laughs> so, Inda, um, so I thought, you know, it was just so telling because a year ago in March, you did your Shelter in Place concert live at Bay Street Theater. And then literally a week and a half later, everything came crashing to a halt and you sort of had to go go in Shelter in Place. You know, what's it like for you now a year out? And, and are you optimistic about vaccinations and things opening up or is it sort of like this new territory where you have no idea what's going to be coming down the pike well that's a load that's like eight questions in one yes we were the last uh, show at bay street and in the community and on a side note when when that record came out and we were thinking about marketing it every time we would put up the concept of shelter in place it brought all this dystopian you know hunkered down fire drill earthquake drill imagery and so we absolutely didn't mean it at that time to have that imagery. And then of course, March 7th rolls around and that's exactly what, if you Google now, that's the imagery you get and it became our lives. 
Um, so that's where we left off. And, you know, you, you, then you just made a statement. It's been a, it's been a tough year. Yes, it has for, for music. I think there's a lot of people, their lives got back to some kind of flying some altitude. And I think the arts, we have not. And, and you asked this question on a great time because we're, you know, it's a warm day. We're going into spring. And so it's going to look a little different, but I, you're right. The arts community, our lives have not, I mean, our lives look very similar to what they were last March with a few tweaks, really. Yeah, it is a matter of trying to just figure out how to make it work for the last year. I mean, you know, it was really, we talk about shelter in place. It was really a lot about, you know, just making the basic bills, you know, paying the mortgage if you, if you have one and making sure you can find toilet paper and food and, and all that, which was not, not always easy, especially a year from now, a year ago. But I feel like at least, I mean, the good news is even before the vaccinations were really ramping up and rolling out, people had kind of learned how to live with it. You know, people are pretty adaptable, it seems to me, you know. I was thinking that when I was driving home today, somebody asked me about music and and Nick can probably opine on this. He probably gets asked about it all the time. We get asked about music. And I, I think this, we have learned to adapt. I think going into this new season, we're light years ahead of where we were last year. I mean, last year, I feel like we lived two weeks at a time. It was a two week season. And you'd think, well, we'll, we'll, we'll be different in two weeks. And we weren't. So I think one thing I will say for sure is this season, I think we know a bit what we're looking at. I, I don't I don't have a crystal ball, but at least we're clear just where we are. You know, part of the thing about being uh, at the talk house is being at the talk house. So even though, uh, you know, we made some attempts in the, you know a year ago to do some live stream things and, and Nancy really did a fantastic job putting the hustle together, uh, much uh, support from you guys uh, made that possible. But uh, it's still, there's nothing like being there, you know, and that's the thing about being in an intimate place like the talk house is, is uh, you know, rubbing shoulders with people and uh, just the overall vibe that you get from being at a venue, you know, whether it's Madison Square Garden or a small place like ours. Uh, you know, I mean, back to what Inda was saying, you know, to have, uh, yeah, we know more now and we kind of have a better feeling, we think, you know, of what we're getting into. Uh, going forward as we slowly reopen you know uh it was almost it was a little over a year ago that i posted that we we're closing for two weeks and i really thought like okay what am i going to do with these two weeks and i kind of thought it was going to be like a sars or ebola type situation that you know will drastically affect some people but not me <laughs> or us and uh, just like when you read about a disaster the further away it is the smaller print it gets in the paper and uh, you know in, in the local paper or state paper uh government paper so, you know, I was optimistic a year ago and I feel naive now, but I guess we all were to think that we were being proactive by closing for two weeks, even though we didn't have to yet when we did. And I uh, thought we'd be reopened. And uh, at least now there seems to be a plan in place. And that, you know, that starts next week. Let's talk about that plan. So this is, um, I think it's April 2nd, right? That's um, New York State is allowing uh, music venues to open. And I, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe it's what, 33% capacity with a maximum of 100 people, right? Right. Right. As of, as of as of right this minute, I mean, everything's changing. Uh, but as of now, right. So it's exactly the amount of people that usually you would say that it didn't make sense to be open if you only do 33 uh, percent. But we're actually, you know, that's when Broadway plays go out of business when you when you're under 35 uh, percent. But we're looking at as this as a positive thing, uh, a step in the right direction. And hopefully people will still be vigilant and stay safe. And, what, you know, why it's 33 percent for live music and it's 75% of the state except for New York for, for eating food. 
uh, is, you know, listen, I will take what we can get at this point. So if you serve people food while they're listening to music, do you get to have more people come in? No. So actually, we still have to serve them food. And uh, so uh, it doesn't, a lot of things don't make a lot of sense. But and I also can appreciate that a lot of, you know, that nobody's lived through something like this and everyone's trying to do their best to balance uh, business needs with science and, and being careful. And uh, so we've tried to be as supportive as we can and, and still get across our message of, of the struggle that businesses like ours and, and all the artists that are associated with it are going through. And, and listen, you know, uh, you know, I was looking at this last year and okay, it was terrible and no work, but you know, even if we go back to work at 50% now or 33%, you know, a lot of people have lost any cushion that they might've had. Right. And, you know, me personally, I mean, I, you know, you have to take a hard look and it's, it's not like it's going to be the good old days that, you know, maybe weren't that great to begin with in some respects financially. We're not Goldman Sachs partners, but, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's going to tight belt for a little while, you know? You know, to rebound. Yeah, and it's always been like that out here. You know, you've always had those twelve weeks to try to make it for a lot of businesses out here. Right. So at thirty-three percent, what you know, the talkhouse is a pretty intimate venue as it is. So what does thirty-three percent look like in the talkhouse? What's what's the number of people that are thirty-three percent? Thirty-three percent means about forty people inside the you know the room that you listen oh. to music. And uh, you know, so we're gonna do that and we're going to put screens outside listen for two reasons one because we can get a few more people in and and also because there's some people that aren't comfortable being inside yet and that was a model that you you did for a little while last summer right like having the band performing inside and then the patrons outside right that was that was nancy's idea as well uh, i'd love to take credit for all these things that he's were... not with us i just want to clarify that's nancy atlas who's a creative musician and really a, a real go-getter as far as coming up with new venues so sorry Neko. right for, uh, forgive me I, I should have uh stated nancy atlas uh yes it was her idea but actually if she's not on this zoom then i'll tell you that it's my idea and uh it was a great idea <laughs> but um the, the the problem was that the state then deemed that that was uh that we couldn't do that either because you weren't allowed to promote or sell tickets to any kind of live music thing. And then maybe, maybe we could have gotten away with that, but we just don't want to, we weren't there to push buttons with the state liquor authority. And, uh, you know, we did our, we did not only our best, but we did it. We played by the rules and, you know, unfortunately that led us to be, you know, 99% down or if not hundred percent down on the year comparatively, by the time you're done with the, the food costs and paying people to do that and then extra people to make sure people are seated, and listen, you know, what's the point if you live in a multi-million dollar home that's beautiful to come to a place like the Talk House when you have to stay seated, you can't uh, uh, get up and talk to anybody and you have to eat our food. There's an endorsement. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> oh, and, and, and there's no and there's no music. You know? So it's kind of like here, sit on this bench and, and, and have a hot dog and, and, you know, pay for a beer. And if you see somebody over there, you know, you can't talk to them. So. So that didn't last very long. That that was just a, a, a very short-lived kind of. That was the whole. That was the whole. Um, you know, spring, summer, and fall. You know. And, so you were able to do that then all summer, and I mean, with the music and everything. Oh no! So we oh for it. So the so the music we we yeah. tried that with the screens, and then we were told that you know we can't sell tickets to anything. So the only thing that we really did was we did a, a really fun trivia night on Thursday nights on the side patio, and but again, that does it's not enough to pay the bills. And you have a hundred right. people that are there, you know, that for an hour and a half, it just, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. It's not a great business model. Nick, did you have Cuomo chips? Uh, 
No, uh, we thought about that, but that got nixed by the time we you know, were about to get involved with that. So what are Cuomo chips, Brandon? So Cuomo chips was a workaround for the idea that you have to buy food when you buy a beer. And, uh, you know, maybe the state liquor authority or, or Cuomo's office have um, come down on that. And, but I was at a place a month ago and, you know, all they serve is beer. It's a beer tasting room. So whenever you buy a beer, they throw in a bag of potato chips and those are your Cuomo chips. So they uh, are in compliance with the executive orders. Right. right, which was also debated at one point and that that wasn't good enough. And then the state also added, there are only I think 12 or 13 actual SLA state liquor authority inspectors in New York to cover the whole state. And so what they did is they deputized a number of people that work for the state of New York and had them just sort of eyes and ears to go around to places. And so you'd have people that you could tell like aren't inspectors coming in uh, that had never been to the talk house before. And uh, I was talking about the hot dogs and I was kidding around with them and, you know, we're following the rules. And then I started getting this lecture uh, from this very nice woman, but explaining to me that hot dog's not a meal. Oh, wrong. It just became wrong. Hot dog is so a meal. That's so wrong. Ketchup is a vegetable. Hot dog is a meal. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not there to argue with anybody, but it's just, it's just when things just got sort of more and more kind of, I feel like I was being punked the whole year. It's so bizarre. Such a bizarre thing, (laughs) isn't it? Because I don't, we never understood why you couldn't, if, if everyone's distanced and everybody's wearing their mask when they're standing, you're complying by all the rules, why that person couldn't pay $10 or know about it and have a band playing to come see them. And uh, nobody could really ever explain that. And actually, I think the state ended up losing that, you know, they were sued for that by a coalition of uh, music venues, because it doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. They've overstepped their reach as far as, you know, controlling people in that respect. And listen, again, I understand, you know, what the concerns are and, and, and I respect them and I agree with most of them, but it's been a, it's been a tough spot. It's a little bit like Footloose and those weird rules in that town. You know? A lot. So Ellen, you're you're um you're here because we we know you love music. So how has this year been for you? Not being able to see um, acts at the talk house and not being able to hear into live and well now that uh, now that I that love music's coming back, I can't wait to leave my multi million dollar house and go have a, a talk house mozzarella stick while I listen to Inda or Nancy or Gene or somebody. I hate to tell you, every house out here is now a multi-million dollar house. <laughs> yeah, actually, my husband keeps telling me we will sell one if it's two million at our little house in Pine Neck. Um, but uh, it's been, well, I can tell you, um, I uh, had got a kind of an idea how much money I'd been spending on uh, live music and mostly probably drinking, frankly. Um, so that's why Nick's uh, is down 90% because Ellen's not sure. Exactly. But, uh, you know, one of the things that as much as I think anybody who knows me, I'm a very self-professed uh, lover of our local musicians and I have pretty much not, you know, missed a show certainly that Nancy or Inda has done in probably six or seven years. Ellen, I don't even think you buy groceries. I don't think you and David even have any food in the house. I think you just <laughs> go out and support restaurants. They just have like concert stubs on their refrigerator. 
to the extent that that's correct was was made brutally aware to me uh, during this time period. I have to say, um, we. But uh, now that you know things are going to open up, it, it's changing. But I, one thing that I will say is, as much as I love music, and that is the driving force, is to hear these amazing musicians that we have out here, and we are so incredibly fortunate to have the people that we have who perform locally and are. Um, you know, homegrown, internationally known, I think is one of the, um, the sayings that goes around. Um, but also for David and I, my husband, um, there's a community that we became, that really became our family, another one of our families. Um, and to not see those people, and these are people that I would only see at music shows really, or on Facebook, but um, they're not people that were generally in my everyday life. Um, but that doesn't mean that I don't uh, feel very close to them and 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 miss them terribly. So there, that whole idea, you know, even from you know seeing Phil at the Talk House and and you know seeing our friends like David has this group of women that I say please dance with my husband so I don't have to dance every dance <laughs> and you know all 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 that stuff is um, been really hard and and I would say fairly depressing. I mean I got a dog again in my life because my husband needed to be cheered up so you know it's uh it, it's been tough it really has been I can't imagine what it's been like for the musicians themselves Linda and, and I spoke you know, about this a couple of weeks yeah. ago and I did a story on um, on the year after shelter in place came out and Inda that was something that you touched on too is the whole idea of isolation and how it's just not it's not the way that you're used to working and I just wonder you know and also for you you as well Nick like how is the how is the isolation affecting your psyches? I don't even know how to talk to people anymore. You know, being out here is something that you have to get used to in terms of the seasons coming and going and to sort of like a natural flow of the seasons. And, and so for me, every March you start building up and the weekends start getting busier and then it gets busier during the week and then you get, you know, run over on Memorial Day and then there's a little bit of a lull and then you just have to, you know, cruise through July and August. And then September is still beautiful. And don't tell anybody that's from the city that September is actually better than June. And it's it's an unbelievable, you know, sort of roller coaster. But I've been doing that same thing for so long that what was weird about last year was that March, we're just kind of we were starting to book. We actually had most of the summer booked. And you can anticipate what's going to happen because you've done the same thing for forever. And not only just the income, but you're talking about the kind of emotional told that it takes it was very strange i mean that's what i do and my whole social life is tied around uh the bar and so most of my friends i don't go to people's barbecues all the time i don't go to the movies so everything revolves around my work you know so it's a nice combination because i love what i do but uh to have the whole year just completely wiped out uh it was just very bizarre i mean it's still bizarre i think i've i think actually i've been in some kind of shock the whole time because i've actually dealt pretty well with it but i was on a zoom 50th birthday call with a friend a bunch of friends the other day and it struck me when i got off that call because there are people that i don't see all the time but i'd see you know one here one there or we'd all be together for a particular show this is a guy that's in a band called the bogman and what my takeaway was that i've gotten used to not missing people and that kind of freaked me out a little bit because I just, okay, this is a routine. And, and listen, I'm fortunate. I've got two little kids. So it's actually been a prime time to be able to spend time with them. It would have been a compromised year having a five-year-old and one-year-old trying to work the way that I usually do. So I'm trying to, and I, I, I'm not a big person saying blessed or, you know, 
the, all those kind of yoga things. But uh, but uh, it was sort of a blessing to. Uh, <laughs> you know, I'm not a big gratitude person. Yoga things, yoga things. That's great. <laughs> but but I but I will say that it was a, a blessing of sorts. The timing in respect to the children and the fact that they were able to keep me occupied and, and or preoccupied this year. Although if they weren't around, I would have maybe finally organized my attic. Now you're like, oh, damn, the year's up. And now what am I going to do? I didn't do any of that stuff that I was supposed to do. Yeah, all the stuff that you'd say you'd do if, like, you know, uh, you had a week off, that whole year off. I kind of expected <laughs> you to say that you'd become a songwriter, but I guess that didn't happen, huh? No. <laughs> no. So, so, Inda, how's the, um, how is, have you dealt with the, with the forced isolation? Um, you know, it's, I, I think we spoke about it a bit ago. Um, I think, it's I've gone a little mental you know I think and and if I was I hate to speak for all the music community they're a little mental too really and um it's it's part I think as artists we are a bit introverted because that's how you go and create but the secret sauce and Nick Nick alluded to this the secret sauce is being together the, you know you can you can be an introvert and you can be an isolation Ist, Nancy comes over and she teases me that I've got my little Walden Pond, my little, you know, Thoreau life going and I've got to be pried out of Walden Pond. And that is true. But our, so our social, our extrovert comes in that form at the shows, at, at the talk house. Um, another aspect I was thinking as we were talking is that, and Judy Carmichael mentioned this on one of the other Express sessions, which is a lot of the work that we do too outside of you know, this area is booked way in advance. So we do, I, I know on our level, uh, what we do, we do a lot of schoolwork. We do a lot of, you know, outreach. Well, that's, how can we even do outreach when they don't even know if they're going to have HEPA filters in the facility? So you, you would think, oh, well, you took that whole year to book stuff. Well, no, th there's no booking. Okay. You can't even, people can't even understand what they're doing in their own lives. So those those trails are kind of cold because people that you used to talk to, they don't even know what their life looks like. I feel that it's one gig at a time. You know, I'm going to play at the talk house in May. I know Nancy's going to play a couple of times in April. Gene as I went like Ellen and got my tickets so I can sit there. But I think it's one gig at a time because no one else knows what they're doing either. And, and the work that we would do in different parts of the country, they have a different reality. And, and I work with people, so one of them lives in Arizona, one of them lives in Wisconsin. How, how can we even connect when some of those people aren't even online for a shot or we don't even know what that means? And half our patrons, maybe they don't have a shot. So I think there's a sensitivity too, to some people, they're not even close to a vaccine. And then that becomes a whole scarlet letter thing. Who has a vaccine shot? Who doesn't have a vaccine shot? And so, I'm totally hopeful, but man, it's getting tricky here how to navigate how we're coming out of the cave. Probably when this all happened, you had a lot of gigs kind of scheduled out and then everything just shut down. Like you said, now it's just sort of like, it's going to be one at a time. We were like, Nick, we, we just, we kept everything on the books for two weeks yeah. and then we would call people and then it just became ridiculous to have conversations with people. And we just say, we're all don't know what we're doing. But I had a call from Wyoming because we do a lot of work out there in the schools and some of the, the venues and the universities and they wanted us to come and, and she, she had it in her mind that we would do some quarantining here and there. And it's like, God, with all due respect, I don't think you understand what our lives are like. I'm not going to JFK and then sitting in quarantining. You, I mean, what? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. It was like so weird in the beginning. 
Oh, and I think it still is. I, I, I am so hopeful, but I think it still is. I think we're all at different capacities. Like Nick said, who wants to come out? Who had a shot? Um, and then now, and we are also seeing the effects of our, now our kids who aren't in line to get the shots, them in their risk factor. I mean, there's, there's some tricky things here and I'm not being Debbie Downer, but I think the way the talk house is handling it is perfect. I think we're taking baby steps and I think it's good that we could at least take those steps. Local support comes from the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. In these trying times, working full-time for their clients and the public interest, providing strong advocacy and attentive counsel, be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com I, I wonder if it's going to be if, if the, the, and I'm going to do air quotes, the, if the return is going to be, you know, the, the data time thing that, that you're talking about, where it's just going to feel like a slow evolution, or if there's going to come a day where, um, where it's just going to explode, where we're going to go, okay, we're through it, we're done, um, you know, and everybody's just going to, you know, mad rush to, to get doing stuff again. I, I, I guess I could see it going either way, and I don't have a crystal ball either, but I, I think we're, we're getting close to the point where we're going to at least see the trajectory, I hope. I think the hard part for all of this, though, like what we were speak, take, saying before, especially like for the, the talk house, for some of your acts that aren't um, people that live five miles away, you know, like that stuff doesn't come together very quickly. So I could see there being sort of a lag for you, Nick, as far as being able to book acts that have to come from further away. You know, you can't just say, hey, we're able to open up. Um, come on out. We got we got you know what I mean? Like, I feel like your real bookings are probably going to take another six months to a year. Does that you think or what, what is your thoughts on that? Well, I can answer that sort of uh, just because, yeah, again, nobody knows anything for certain. But the way it's looking now is the way that people and listen, the whole variant thing and, and, and setbacks and those could happen. So but the way that it looks right now, it appears to us that by July, things will be almost back to normal as far as going to a show, at least. And. And by August, and this is the same attitude being taken by agents now, because again, you, know, you put together a tour, if it's a national tour, you've, you've got to sort of plan months out, you've got to try and, and if you're a band, you try and play Philly, you know, you play DC, then you play Philadelphia, and then New York, and then you hopscotch out to here, and then you go up to Boston. And that's how those tours are put together for those brawl acts, you know, just, you know, and so some will do a stadium, you know, route like that, some will do small clubs like ours, some will do auditoriums. And, you know, those take, those have to be planned months out and you have to have some, some knowledge that, that, you know, you're going to be able to do that. And before, you know, with the quarantines, you know, even going state to state, that was a very complicated, you know, it was almost impossible to try and do, but, you know, so we're looking at it as a, a gradual reopen. And also we're very lucky because of the local talent that we've got out here and is, and the Nancy's of the world. And, also all the great national talent that actually resides in New York that already lives here. So in respect to that, I think we're, we're in a lucky position. Uh, I, I do have my concerns like I do every 4th of July that, uh, you know, things can get a little crazy. And uh, I think, you know, again, we're going to ease into it and, you know, it's going to be a little bumpy. I'm sure people are still trying to figure stuff out. And, 
people were talking about things like what they're doing in Israel now with the with the sort of green passport that's allowing people that are vaccinated to go to certain events and concerts and festivals. And I don't know that that works here in the United States, just because, you know, there's so many people that haven't had a chance yet, just like Indu was saying, like to even get the vaccine if they wanted it. And how that's going to work, I'm not sure. And it's going to be tricky. And you're going to have somebody that's going to show up and be freaking out about something because you had that happen even before this pandemic happened. So the people that were freaking out about stuff before, <laughs> they're not going to be more easygoing now, that's for certain. So <laughs> we'll, we'll see what happens. And we're just trying to take a deep breath and uh, take one day at a time. So when Karen shows up and asks to see the manager, that's you, Nick, right? Well, that's usually why I point to somebody else. <laughs> so. I mean, I hate to say it, but like with the, with all of the people who have relocated, air quotes, people relocating here from the city, maybe a little bit more type A's, um, if that's going to make all of our lives a little bit more difficult when we realize they're not going home anymore. So, You know, listen, there, there are a number of people in my mind, and I feel pretty certain about this after just watching people for years, that when a group of people go out, there's always somebody in that group that really doesn't want to be there. And that doesn't mean the talk house, it could be anywhere, surf lodge, they get dragged out. Yeah. <laughs> and I think the pandemic's gonna be uh, a great excuse for people like that that don't like going out to never go out again. So, uh, but we'll, what we'll make up for that is the people that have been cooped up for a year that love going out, they're gonna be going out twice as much now. So I, I'm not worried about the demand being there, I'm just worried about how, how it comes across and, and then how do we deal with this you know, reopening because you saw what happened in Miami last week. And, you know, again, you know, the, the governor promoting the state as wide open, saying they were open for business for seven months, basically mocking and making fun of, of New York and California for the restrictions that they had. And then Miami, you had to be completely shut down with an eight o'clock curfew and shut every bar and restaurant down in Miami, in South Beach, at least. And, you know, they, they kind of brought, they definitely brought that on themselves by promoting themselves as such but it's uh you know and they also went about it poorly because you can't have tens of thousands of people you know that are in their 20s come and fly or drive hours and hours and book hotels and then get there and then be told at four o'clock that the whole thing shut down at eight and then what they're taking whatever illness they have back to whatever state they came from right but yeah and there's that too so they'll be you know i i expect the numbers to to bump a little bit after spring break but uh you know, again, I think we're all trying to do the right thing and navigate it as such, and and we'll do that. We're not new at this. We're new at we're new at COVID, but we're not new at running this business, and and uh, we'll take it as it comes. And then, like you said in the express session, then we'll be ready for the Roaring Twenties. And, you know. That's right. Yeah, and, I, and I, as I, I think it was Joe or Gene said, I, I don't expect that to be this summer, uh, but I think that it's going to be very steady, and I think we're we're looking at a great fall. And I think a lot of people now that have come out from the city realize, and I'm a city person originally, I'll say that, but uh, a lot of people that you know love New York City are realizing that it's really nice here in the winter time, um, particularly the fall and the spring. You may find that you have business that you never had before once we get mm -hmm. it. That's like it seems like what a lot of businesses experienced out here. Not so much mu music venues, but places that are normally um, really quiet in the winter months realize they never really quieted down because um, so much of the population stayed out. And I can see those passports becoming pretty ubiquitous by fall on your phone, I'm guessing. Like, you know, maybe once they, maybe the um, the CDC will like standardize it so it won't be like download your COVID free app and nobody knows if it's legit or anything, you know, kind of like a real passport. 
Right. Well, there's a tricky stuff with that, with privacy issues, uh, with people not having the option to get it. And then some people that, okay, so once it is available to everybody, one of the problems is that some people aren't able to get it because of allergies to the vaccine. And, and what do you do with those people just so you can't come in? You know, I just, it, it gets, it does, it's not as simple as, I don't want to be the person standing there and then, and then have to just, you know, try and make that determination. It's hard enough to, you know, to, do the birthday of being 21 or over <laughs> all of a sudden i'm playing medical doctor no because that's some handmaid's tale stuff really i mean it, no it is i i think i think right now we're not there because it's so i think it, it, this is my thinking nick is you guys are doing this in such a responsible way i don't think we're quite there but i think later down the road we are it'll be a conundrum in terms of it was so political anyway and i think down the road it's going to be yeah. a real privacy issue about how you feel about Listen, this. Listen, I'm allergic to just about everything in the world and I've gotten both shots and I've been fine. So I'm hoping that uh, that's going to be the case for most people. And frankly, um, Nancy's first show, I'm pretty sure word on the street is it's just about inside sold out. And I'm guessing I'm going to know every one of those 40 people. So I'm not feeling worried about who I'm sitting next to. So. Ellen, word on the street is you put your credit card down and you own all the seats to the talk house through July anyway. So. I am not I'm not going to tell you to try this from home, but I may have emailed one of the talk house staff members with my credit card and said, if Nancy, Inda or Jean book a show, please put four tickets on my credit card. I, I may have done that. You're like a ticket scalper. I had to get tickets to my own show and they said, call Ellen. <laughs> I have gotten that reputation. Chris King is in on that too, Enda. So she and I have sort of, we formed a little consortium where, uh, uh, you know, we're not making any money on it, but. You know, this is an industry, there are some industries that could just bounce back, like nothing happened. And I think there's some industries where they have more work than they can handle. I think this industry, I think we're on a roll, but the gears have to keep going. And I, I have to say the talk house, Nick, you guys are leading the way, but I, I just think, it's not like some other businesses where you flip a switch and we're just back. I think we got to build some public trust and I think it's, it's going to happen, but it's not like lights on. Well, I think word on the street from the people that I'm talking to and, and I, I am, you know, plugged into a lot of music lovers out here is just a, a, a ton of respect for how the talk house is doing it. Because the fact that people who aren't comfortable and maybe haven't gotten their vaccines could be outside watching and um, we did do that on one of the, the little trial attempts at, of Nancy's. And it really was, was still really cool. You know, I mean, you could sort of feel the music coming from inside the building. You had the TV screens out there. So it's not, it, it's not a, a bad experience at all. It's a lot of fun to do that. And if you're not comfortable coming inside, so you have however many you can have outside and then the 40 people inside. And um, everybody I'm talking to is just really grateful that it's coming back and ha that the talk house is doing it the way they are. So I think that's- you, you put all that work into it anyways, Nick. So it's good that you're gonna be able to use that, you know? And it's good for those those extroverts that don't wanna be too close to people, right? <laughs> they could be outside. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And and thank you for the kind words. Uh, we, we have spent a lot of time thinking about all this and, you know, again, following everything letter you know, to the T. And, and we are going to make the food better this spring, by the way. There's some improvements that we'll, we'll announce shortly. But uh, <laughs> uh, so we're, we're working on that. And it's, uh, yeah, no, we're excited to be open. I mean, I never thought that we'd have this uh, sabbatical, I've been calling it. And, um, you know, so recharge the batteries or overcharge them and 
And again, I think that everything that's going to happen this spring will be nice. And and I also have to give some, some a lot of appreciation to uh, the Save Our Stages Act because I think we're going to be a recipient of that grant that's going to help us get off the ground again, and uh, and make shows at thirty three percent capacity doable. So. Yeah, I wanted to ask about the Save Our. So that starts as April eighth. I was reading about that Save Our Stages. That's a, a a federal act, I think. Right? Is that is and it, right. um, it helps. Um, it's sort of like a PPP kind of grant, but specifically for venues that the live venues. Is that correct, Nick? Right. Started as a group of people, uh, Neva, which was the New York organization, uh, started out of New York, I believe. But we've been involved with them from the beginning, and originally it was for music venues, and now it's spread out. the The stimulus part of this package is uh, for the Save Our Stages is actually going to be everything from comedy clubs to. Uh, I think it even includes galleries and things like that. So basically the arts and, and so it's, it's a big package. And, you know, unfortunately we meet the criteria for, for the first round of that because of how down we were from compared to 2019 and the size of our club. But uh, yeah, no, it's, it's very exciting to be reopening again and uh, we look forward to doing it. There'll, there'll be bumps in the road, but we'll do it right. Yeah. So you're, you're, you're upgrading from the hot dogs though, I guess, huh? Right. Cheese dogs. So, no, no, no. Wait. So, so wait a minute. If hot dogs aren't a meal, then then there's no calories, right? I mean, you could you can eat. I'm gonna I, I'm gonna make a couple <laughs> hot dogs if that's the case. Hot dogs are a meal. That's that's just uh, that's a fact. Yeah. I'd pay to eat a hot dog with my alpha gal allergy. It's like it's uh, you know. Hot dogs are a meal. Uh, hot dogs are astronaut food. That's hot. Hot dogs a meal. And tang. You gotta have some tang hot with dogs that. And tang. <laughs> Well, that's that's the new addition, actually, is the tang. Yeah. <laughs> so, so, Nick, how many people um, can you guys seat outdoors? Just curious, because in a way, this sort of in, it, it increases your capacity in a way you never really did it before. Right. But it's, it's with the screen. So it's a different experience. And, you know, it's a side patio on the back bar. And so, for instance, in April, you know, it's hard to plan for anything outside at all. But the back bar with the screens, we can put another 30 people. And, and then on the side patio, I, I don't remember exactly, but I think it's another 40 or 50 people there too. Uh, you know, to, they, they try and make it so you can make up for what you lose inside. So it's not, it's not that if you had a huge field that all of a sudden you could, you know, do as many people as you wanted back there. Yeah, and I guess that, you, that after that whole chain smokers event last summer, I probably everybody that, that, <laughs> that has live music was really, really keeping their head down because it seemed like we were in the crosshairs, right? Uh, I'll try and limit my comments on that uh, to not be specific to any one person, but I think everyone knows who I'm talking about. It that was a disaster, and, and we had a number of things that were outdoor planned, uh, that were safe, that were outdoor concerts planned, and we're actually about to submit a permit that following Monday for a, a great event that was going to take place. It would have been a huge fundraiser for the local community, for artists and first responders, and a great way for everyone to be able to safely get out and experience live music again. And the Chainsmokers show absolutely destroyed any opportunity, not just out here, not just in the state of New York, but it rippled across the country. And it was an absolute disaster. I have to just second that. It was, from an artist's perspective, so disheartening, such a slap in the face, just completely demoralizing for, for any hope we had. Just th thank you, Nick, that, that was demoralizing. I'm going to add as an event plan, yeah. I'm going to say it was also just ridiculous that it was allowed to happen. Having planned events in Southampton town, the scrutiny you have to go through 
and that that went through, I, I'll stop there, but it was just not good. Well, it was incredibly predictable, wasn't it? When you saw the renderings that said, this is what the event's gonna look like, immediately my impression was, well, duh, this isn't gonna end well. Exactly. That's, that was exactly what I said, Brendan, when I saw the rendering, I was like, they, that's not gonna work. <laughs> if they put more time and or energy or money into uh, having a better staff as opposed to what they put into the lighting show that they did there, and if you did a concert that was geared towards a more family type thing, and I'm not talking about boring, I'm just talking about not the chain smokers. And there are just so many different things that you could have, you know, I, I put together a lot of outdoor things over the years. And, and not only was it just poorly planned, but it, the execution of it completely fell apart. And uh, yeah, I, I was watching that happen from photos that I was watching from friends of mine that were there. And I just, as soon as I saw that Saturday night, I, I basically called the town of East Hampton Monday morning and, and said, yep. And we just all kind of agreed that we weren't going to, that was the end of it. That was the thing. It derailed so many things, so many like really good events that were in the works. I know, um, I think West Hampton Beach Performing Arts Center had their own concert drive-in that night and it went off without a hitch, but nobody noticed that, you know? So the next time that they had it, they said there were, they were just, there were people from the state just crawling and all over the venue and you know, they pulled it off, but they said it. they were just scared to death the whole night because these idiots had ruined it for them. That's a perfect example, though, that we drove by the West Hampton Beach because we were going to go. I think it was Gene Casey, actually, or at least one of the ones that they did. We drove by and they actually had maxed out and they were they were taking they weren't letting you in. Once they maxed out their little setup, they did a really good job on that. I'm going to channel my inner Kate Muth of the Neopolitical Cowgirls or if Nancy was on this call, which is we, we as the artist population, we're always precariously, we're, we're just precarious on the edge always, okay? Now we figured out how to do it, but I tell you, we are always one step away from how do we do this? And, and what I mean is we, we have this pot of people out here that create original music, original work, okay? And um, we don't really have this music industry structure that supports that kind of work that maybe would happen in an urban area or something like this. And so we've all become so creative about how we make original work and material happen. And, you know, there's very few places really like the Stephen Talk House that the people go to anymore to listen to original material, a listening room. And so our town, our, our community, this area is so fortunate beyond what we even know okay, that we even have a talk house. It's okay, you know, we can understand that we have an auditorium or a theater that's, you know, the docents support that, but to have a talk house and to have what we have. So then you go through the summer we had in this event we're talking about, I, I just can't even tell you how demoralizing it was. And it, and it I, 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 mean, I'll, I don't speak for everybody, but it was like, wow, we had to fight so hard anyway. And now we, we, we're on the edge. And now we can't work all summer and, and it goes on and on. And, and so that's the only thing I would say. We're like, we had it bad before and now this thing hit. So we're crawling out of the muck, just trying to put food on the table and get back to our deferred mortgage plans. I mean, that'll be interesting when those open up. Let me just be honest about that. Okay. I mean, in a way, we kind of feel like the muck is sort of in the rearview mirror, like we are crawling out of it, but hopefully it's behind us now. And I don't know, try to be a little bit. Bit here. Right, and you can edit this out, but I'm telling you, everybody who lives in this community has some creative way that we make it work. I'm sure our relatives come and they go, how do you live here? And we go, I don't know. 
And that's every industry. Now you take it to the arts. Are you kidding me? We're always, I mean, God, we might as well be selling lemonade stand, you know? I mean, that's how it crazy it feels sometimes. So to have this cataclysm and then crawl out of it, I can only think it will be better, but wow. I think we all need to go get our real estate license. <laughs> I always swore I'd never do that. <laughs> I had mine for 19 years. I let it go. So, uh, I'd like to ask Inda a question. You know, one thing that people actually can do to support artists, and I'm wondering how effective it is, is to actually buy their music. And I'm wondering, you know, what does it do for you when somebody uh, goes on iTunes or wherever it may be and, and downloads your music or physically orders a CD? Brendan, thank you. That, that just, that always helps when people go and support the music. And, and it always does. I think right now, and, and it gets us kind of back to where we were in these micro steps out here. The micro steps, the best we can hope for is that people start at least tuning in to that we're doing music, we're bringing it back. Even those 40 people buying those tickets at the Stephen Talk House, that means the world to us because beyond finance, why, we're in this for this emotional. We want to connect with people. We are built to connect, we are built to go out and love on people in these trying times. And, you know, the fact that people are buying tickets to these shows at the talk house, that just, even though it's 40 people, that means like, that's heavenly joy because um, that's where we really feel that. But yes, we love it when you buy, buy tunes on iTunes, but we really just even need you to know that the talk house is going to come back. That's important for us. That's a victory right there. So Nick, how, how scheduled is the talk house at this point, as far as the next, the coming months, do you have, uh, how many gigs have you, have you thought to put in place? Or are you still taking it slow as far as that's concerned? Uh, just end it every night. Okay. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I'm going to do the puppet show, Nick. You know, Nancy and I are going to come down and do sock puppets with you. We did that once before. It didn't, uh, well, we can try it again. But uh, no, uh, so far right now, we've got uh, every weekend booked through uh, Memorial Day, I think. And we're going to be announcing all those dates in the next day or so. We're just, you know, trying to figure out how it works with seating, you know, in terms of, you know, if we only sell four tickets, you know, if the tables are four, the way you have to space them out, or they're going to be a table of six and just the way the room kind of works with, with people being spread out. And also the fact that we have to keep the performer 12 feet from uh, the nearest table. And if you know the room, that doesn't leave you much space at all. So everyone's kind of like watching, you know, like a, like in a half circle. And so we figured all that out, but then we're still trying to navigate switching our website so you can't just buy one ticket because if that one person sits there and you've got to keep them six feet from anybody else uh so you can't sell individual tickets so we're, we're figuring all that out it's not super complicated but uh it just changes things a bit and uh we should have tickets and announce a big announcement of a bunch of shows coming up real soon but our plan right now is to is to book as many shows as we can and then as they open up uh the restrictions to allow more people and uh, we'll see how many more people we can fit safely in the room. You know, we'll do that. And, and we're expecting by July, I mean, we're, we're looking at acts, especially for August, that will be, you know, based on, you know, we're booking them because we feel like we could sell 100 tickets. Perfect. That's great. You know, and again, we're, we're also realistic that, you know, this might not happen. I mean, we we did last year, we booked it, you know, two or three times over. So have been here before. <laughs> you know how this rodeo goes. <laughs> Right. Jeanette, can I make one, one more thought too? 
since I'm going to ramble. There, are, I, you know, I'm looking around. I was looking at different people's schedule. There, there, there are other places. I wouldn't call them music venues, but places that have they're going to have live music this summer. You know, maybe they serve food or they what they've got a, a scene going on. And the, and and I and I God bless them and God bless everybody who plays there because that's keeping everybody going. I just want to also point out there's nothing like going to a place where the intention is to go listen to that music. They're very few and far between. I, I can't express that enough. And it's a completely different experience when you're one of those 40 people in the talk house or you're one of those so-and-sos at a Bay Street or, or Guild Hall uh, versus you're out in some place where they're, you know, it's the music is secondary. At a place like a talk house, the music is primary. And that's like a, you know, like Nick says, yoga talk, that's a spiritual experience when you have that connection with people. And, and those are the places, you know, first of all, that we have the Stephen Talk House, amen. But that's, that's a different situation than going to some place where there happens to be a band playing in the background in a parking lot. It's different. You know, let me just say too, from the fan point of view, and, and there are places that a little bit before the Talk House information kind of leaked out, um, that we knew there was going to be music and it, you know they are places that have food and the music is secondary and Dave and I were glad about it but when I went home and told him that uh, there were going to be shows at the talk house and we could book you know we and I'd already booked you know tickets for Nancy and, and Jean and, and um, uh, the two of us like laughed and cried in our living room literally had like a huge emotional experience laughing and then crying about the whole thing we were so excited so it's uh, it, it goes both ways. I know I'm, I know the musicians are it's their livelihood and everything, too. But there is that emotional connection that we've all missed. Thank you. Well, so when is when's the date of your concert at the talk house? Uh, I'm May 1st and I got on, you know, I got the word. I, I, I rang up the talk house today and, and got on the, the internet, the email and I booked my tickets for Jean. Nancy and myself, so we could have people. I, I get they're gonna, you know, you, Nick, you guys are doing it great. I feel very comfortable about that. And I too went and got my card out. So I, I don't wanna miss Jean's first show. I don't wanna miss Nancy's show. I wanna be there and I wanna like cry like a baby because we have absolutely gone mental. We, I will cry, I, I'll weep when we, when we hear our brothers and sisters return to the stage. All right, Nick, you gotta heat up that girl and get those hot dogs going. <laughs> I, I just want to say one thing when i said yoga talk i, I meant uh, i don't have a problem with yoga my wife's a yoga teacher so i'm scared <laughs> to get off this call and walk into the other room because murder uh, uh yoga teachers can kill you uh with you know swift you know kind of leg kick uh i just meant uh i felt that the words like uh gratitude and things like that are overused so just want to clarify that. Mama stay, y'all. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Nick, I'm going to tease you about that yoga talk the rest of my life. You know yeah, that. Yeah, we're dog you. <laughs> Namaste, Annette. Namaste. I think I'm making a yoga talk t-shirt. I think that's what I'm going to be selling at, the, at my table at the talk house. Yoga talk. Well, all right. Well, Nick, at least you know, you need to know Ellen's going to kind of kind of keep you in business a little bit here. Well, that's that's what that was like. Pretty much like when we decided to reopen, we're like, "Is Ellen on board?" <laughs> <laughs> oh, if you don't, if you don't have Ellen and David and Rob and Chris, I mean, we're all like that. We're like, we don't schedule shows unless we call them and go, "Are you available to even come?" You guys, this is an emotional business. I know we got to go. This is an emotional business. People don't be. People aren't part of the arts. 
uh, for any other reason other than to connect. This is, you know, after after the age of 22, this is this becomes the Lord's work. Okay, we don't sit here because we're, you know, trading stocks. This is all about human contact, emotion, and connections, and 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 that's just what it is. And isn't that fascinating that this is the last component or one of the last to come back online to our culture? I mean, it's the one that we need the most. And this is the one that's been on cinder blocks for 12 months. And so it becomes just yep. gut-wrenching emotion, I think. Yeah, amen. There we go. But we are getting religious here. Yoga talk. <laughs> Yoga talk. I can't wait to make that t-shirt. I'm in a lot of trouble Saturday morning when this airs, huh? <laughs> no, no, you, you can keep it. I stand by everything I say. It's got me this far. We'll see you, we'll see you at the talk house. 27 Speaks is sponsored by the law firm of Toomey, Latham, Shea, Kelly, Dubin, and Corderaro. Strong advocacy and attentive counsel. Be well advised. SuffolkLaw.com. Thank you for listening. Join us again next week to hear what's news on the East End. Our interlude flute music is by Allison O'Reilly. Our opening and closing theme music is Boysdale Blues, written and performed by the incomparable Judy Carmichael. Listen to Judy's weekly show, Jazz Inspired, airing on an NPR station near you, or go to jazzinspired.com. 27 Speaks is a weekly podcast produced by the Express News Group, which includes the Southampton Press, the East Hampton Press, the Sag Harbor Express, 27East.com, and SagHarborExpress.com. Find us on the websites or subscribe through Apple Podcasts.